0: Hey, welcome to the C3 Church Victory Podcast. We pray this message will inspire you and activate your faith. Thanks for joining us. For those of you who don't know, uh, these guys run New Vine Lakes uh, just, just down the road, really. Uh, an amazing church that's just doing incredible things and about to explode um, in a new premises that's going to be uh, sizable yes, we'll uh, for growth. I just, I'm, yes. yeah, that's absolutely going to happen, so... Uh, anyway, I'm going to head over to you guys. Have a great time. Enjoy. Yeah, thank you so much. Today. Pleasure. Bless you. That's great. Thank you. I'll
1: start first,
0: thank you. Sure, yeah.
1: All right. I just said I'll start talking. <laughs> I'll talk first and then I'll hand it over to you. Um, Thank you so much for that time of worship, music team. It was fantastic. And in fact, that last song is just one of my favorites at the moment because I love being able to declare the name of Jesus over all circumstances. And um, so, Nathan, I really enjoyed just watching you up here because um, I had a vision from God and you kind of just like filled it in a little bit. So I'll explain. So... um, Have you ever noticed that when we worship, you know, we go from this stance of like, oh God, you're just, you're so good and we just want you to feel us. And then as we get a bit more serious, we're kind of like, yeah, God, you're just so good. But then when the finger comes out, <laughs> like when the finger comes out, it's like, hey, we are serious now. We are declaring things. And um, that's the vision I had this morning <laughs> um, of an index finger. And it was God's finger. And um, I was just in the car and I was praying, God, do you have a word for the church here? And I saw a, um, just a, it was like a coffee cup. You guys must really like your coffee. And Amen. <laughs> Um, and And I just saw I saw God's finger just doing this and I just saw the stirring Mm. and initially I was like um you know why do you put a finger in a coffee that's a bit unsanitary." (laughs) um but God just really directed my attention to the finger and the stirring motion and this is what I felt like he was um saying I felt like he was saying that it was a good agitation Yeah, it was good. I felt like he was saying it was a a cohesive and unified uh, movement. Um, That it was his personal touch. Um, It's direct and it brings power. It's not chaotic. It was a very controlled movement. And I felt like um, it's a bit... uh, Funny, Rachel, because you were talking about Chinese Proverbs. And I quickly got out my iPhone and I was just Googling the meanings of index fingers. And I came across all sorts of weird and wonderful things (laughs) from yoga websites to like indicating certain planets and all sorts of weird spiritual stuff. And I felt like God just said, put the internet down, I'll tell you. (laughs) Isn't that funny how we, you know, sometimes go off on a tangent? And the finger of God in the Bible represents the power of direction, Um, it, and it, It's um, power, direction, and immediate intervention. So I just want to be able to speak into you this morning as a Mm. church, and I really felt like this is a body thing. Um, And as he puts his finger in, and he is, he has his finger in you guys, and he is stirring and agitating, and it's a beautiful, cohesive movement. And if you're wanting intervention in something, if you're wanting to see breakthrough, if you're wanting to press into God for something, all you have to do is just go with the movement. Have you ever gotten into a friend's spa or pool and you know how you go like and you just go 100 miles an hour around until the point that you let go and the water just takes you? Yeah, that's what I that's that's wow. it. And you do, your so job good. is just to rest in that. And uh, yeah, just rest in it. Yeah. <clears throat> go for it, baby.
0: Thanks, honey. <laughs> that's so good. Wow. God's good, isn't he? Yeah. Hey, how good is it to be in the house with brothers and sisters that you love? And um, Nate's been a, a bit of a running partner with me. In, not Actually, I don't run. I'm not really that good at running. But when it comes to pastoral ministry, uh, you know, pastors need brothers in the Lord. And, uh, and Nate's been that. And um, very blessed, Nate, to have gotten to know you. And um, yeah. And how good is it to have... Dave here, my coach, and also a father in the Lord. In ways, I love you so much, mate. And um, I tell you what, yeah, you can give him you can give him a big clap. Yeah, you know When it comes to when it comes to your church, uh, it is the product of so many different people behind you. And uh, yep. And so, just so grateful for you. Yep. Church, we're in for a good morning, aren't we? i tell you what, uh, we could have worshipped for the rest of the morning. I would have been satisfied. And uh, so good. And uh, thank you for choosing those songs, worship team. I I feel like those songs were preaching the message we're about to get into today. And that's always a good day when that happens. And and it happens more and more. And I just love the Lord. I love what he wants to do in the body of Christ. And he's going to do some amazing things this morning. And so we're just going to uh, pause here. I just want to pray. And and really what I'm wanting to do is actually give you a chance just to draw down from the Lord because uh, it's one thing to actually bring the Word and to uh, prepare together to actually hear from the Lord and what He wants to do here. It's another thing for you to draw down. And so how about you stand where you are and what we're going to do is just wait on the Lord and you just go ahead. You begin to tell the Lord, Jesus this is what i'm after this morning this is what i this is what i long for this is what's on my heart this is the breakthrough i'm looking for and you just begin to call that out yourself in your own private prayer i'm just going to give you a moment thank you lord come holy spirit thank you lord hallelujah every single one here every single one thank you jesus thank you jesus Lord Jesus, we just declare your lordship and we thank you, Lord God, that you are here. I, feel, I can feel just the weight of your spirit here this morning and we give you praise. I just declare over every single person here this morning, no matter whether they uh, have a physical manifestation of you here this morning or not, that Father God, that they would know that they've met with you this morning. Lord, I get out of the way. And I say, Holy Spirit, come. Come and bring your work, your, your deep inner work that goes beyond just the physical, but it actually touches at the heart. Brings hope where there's hopelessness. In Jesus' mighty name. And all those who agreed, said, Amen. Amen. You can take a seat. Awesome. We're going to be looking at Acts chapter 4 in just a moment. The guys are asking me, what is the title of your sermon and I think I'll just call it the name of Jesus. Uh, I think that's appropriate for this morning. And uh, we're going to look at a passage in just a moment. I just wanted to share a little bit of my story firstly. And I felt that the Lord had said to me during the week that, Steve, you're not just to come and bring ministry for healing, but you're also to, to encourage the culture of healing within the Church of Victory. And there's a difference between knowing that God heals and having the culture. And I want to encourage you that culture looks like in every avenue, every relationship, you find yourself going back to the same truths no matter where you're at, whether you're with your neighbour, whether you're actually uh, leading somebody to the Lord, whether you're uh, in you know, Sunday morning service like this or whether you're in youth group or in your life group, whatever it is, that you would find yourself coming back to this same culture of Jesus' name for healing. And so uh, I just want to encourage you. I want to share the turning point that Liz and I found ourselves in when it came to the culture of healing for us personally and then also for our church. Uh, From time to time, we get some time off as pastors, and uh, we, we took our family up north to Nelson Bay, and on the Sunday, we said to our kids, let's go down to the beach. We went down to Fingal. Anyone been to Fingal before? And we went right down to the Spit and uh, found a little private kind of sand dune there and uh, decided, let's do a church service with our family. And uh, so I, I had just recently been reading at the time, this is about 10 years ago now, but I've been reading John G. Lake's story. Anybody? read John G. Lake's story. It's only a handful of people I highly recommend. John G. Lake, T.L. Osborne, Randy Clark, all of these guys were foundational for me. And uh, as I, I had been reading this personally, I thought this is for my family. I need to share with them the story of uh, what God did in John G. Lake's life. And you see, John, was, John G. Lake was in the, uh, the precipice of seeing his wife, Uh, Almost pass away and he'd already seen a number of family members pass away and he was on his knees Lord would you just come and move powerfully I'm, I'm asking you would you teach me what it means to step into the things of healing there's nothing like being in the space where you've got no other options and here John G Lake was really leaning in on well, he knew to be true, but he hadn't seen much of it in his life, and maybe you're in a place where you know it to be true, but you haven't actually seen it—you uh, know, up front and center in your life. And I just want to encourage you: uh, God just so much wants to work that way in your life. His promises for you, Amen. Not one of you is excluded. Praise God. Not one. Anyway, John G. Lakey sees a miracle. God moves and uh, begins a story of him walking with the Lord where he lays everything down to go and follow him in this way. And uh, just tremendous story. So I share that with our family. Uh, we have four kids, and they're now kind of about Darren's kid's age, um, 21 all the way down to 14. And uh, at the time, though, about 10 years ago, uh, if you can imagine like a little five-year-old and seven-year-old, uh, or maybe a little bit younger than that, and uh, and then also, I guess Elijah would have been twelve, and Mia, what 10-ish, something like that. And so we're we're talking about well, uh, where do we need healing in our family? And so we all had, especially Liz and I, we had some things that we needed healing. Elijah, our eldest, he had a, a sports injury, and so he wanted healing for his ankle, I think. And. And so we we said, okay, well, let's pray for each other. And so we began to lay hands on each other. And the most sweetest thing, I I saw um, our youngest two, I can still see their faces. They lay their hands on their brother, Elijah, and they look up as as if to say, what do we say now? And I'm thinking, I don't know, because I'm learning myself, right? But all I know is to call on the name of Jesus. And so we did. And so I led them through a very simple prayer. And let me tell you, there's no formula to follow here. It's really just a heart that, that pulls on heaven in the name of Jesus. And so here are the two little kids, five and seven, pulling on heaven, praise God. And their brother Elijah gets healed. And we're like, come on, Lord, this is so good. Now for them, it was like, this is natural. This always happens. I'm thinking, God, I never saw this happen as a kid. As they were walking towards the car, they ran off ahead of us and Liz and I, as we're walking behind them, I had this moment of reflection where I realised I never saw this growing up. And then the question came into mind, God, where does this happen for our kids in church? This has to be a cultural thing. We have to get back to where everything becomes normal around seeking Jesus for this, and and so I knew the answer to this. That, you know, we we have to step into all of these things. But I found myself reflecting on my past. You see, I grew up in a home where my dad was a pastor. I'm a PK. Any PKs here? Yep, a few of us. We survived, and um, and so uh, you see, my dad was uh, a cessationist, which simply means uh, he believed that all of the sign gifts of the Spirit ceased around the canonization of Scripture or the apostles. You can say boo to that. Um, but And and he didn't know any better, but he'd come a long way, like his roots, and he loved the Lord. There was no doubt about it. And so I didn't have the modeling. And I kept telling myself, Steve, you didn't have the modeling. I felt like, Lord, where do I find this modeling? Even New Vine, which was planted out of this church, praise God, uh, and is over at Maryland, my pastor, Paul, and they led us to things that we had never experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, tongues, and hearing from the Lord. Praise God. Yeah. All those things we learned uh, under the headship of Paul and AJ. And uh, we just found ourselves just growing and growing. So grateful. But when it came to healing, it wasn't something that was modeled. We prayed for those who needed healing, but it was in this special occasion when you knew there's nothing else we can do. Let's pray. Ever been there before? And, uh, and so uh, we found that as we prayed, sometimes we'd see God heal, but it would be weeks later or days later. But the more I read Scripture, the more I found Jesus didn't model it that way. He didn't say to the Heavenly Father, and Nate, you touched on this this morning, he's, He didn't say, Heavenly Father, would you heal this person? Instead, He said, I command blindness, open your eyes. There was a command. The more I read the gospel, the more it became discontent with my own experience. You know your experience. And then you read the gospels. And the more you read the gospels, the more you realize, Jesus, I need to know more about you. I need to be more present in a relationship with you. I need to grab a hold of everything you have because you have said, I am your disciple. And a disciple walks in the same spirit of, the same heart as, the same authority as. They have everything of the, the master. When Jesus sent out his 12 and then his 72, he said, go, tell them about the kingdom of heaven. And then as you do, heal the sick, cast out demons. By the way, I'm not going with you. Like, hey, hang on, hang on. We haven't actually healed anyone yet, Jesus. Yeah, no, but I'm sending you in my authority. That's all you need. Right? If he had gone with them, they might have looked to him and said, Jesus, what do we do here? And might have been more formulaic. But instead, he sent you, praise God, with his authority. Amen. Not one of you is disqualified from walking in what Jesus has for you. Okay, that's just my intro. Let's, uh, let's get into some scripture. <laughs> um, Acts chapter 4, in fact, we're going to look at Acts chapter 3 firstly, and uh, depending on time, we are going to do some ministry regardless, if that's okay, Nate. You just tell me otherwise, but um, for sake of time, we're going to try and honor this and uh, for those at home, I, I really believe that God is going to touch you as well. So Acts chapter 3, verse 12. Now, leading up to this, uh, Peter and John, well, of course, Acts chapter 2, we have Pentecost. Some amazing things happen. And at the close of chapter 2, they give you a summary version of what takes place next, like basically the church is on fire. And uh, the apostles, they're teaching, they're... they're uh, healing the sick. And then we have this, what I believe is an insert story into that summary. And that's in chapter three, Peter and John, as they're going to the temple for prayer, they come across a lame beggar and they heal him in the name of Jesus, simply saying, stand up and walk in Jesus' name. He uh, ends up, I love the description of of, uh, Luke's story here because he says he was grabbing onto their shoulders As he walked into the temple, if you can imagine like a giraffe that's just learning to walk, that was kind of him, you know, he's just stumbling in. And as he goes in, all of a sudden it becomes really clear. This guy, we know, he hasn't been able to walk for over, I don't know what it is, something like 20 years, 40 years, is it? He hasn't been able to walk for a long time. Thank you, Dave. You can see why he's my coach. I love you, mate. And, and here he is. They say, we know who he is. And now we see he's been healed. And so this question comes, where did this happen? And verse 12, uh, when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? Listen, they are asking the question, How on earth did this happen? Surely it has to be something special about Peter and John. And they say, no, 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 hang on, you don't have this. You don't don't understand this. This is not because of our godliness. Praise God. This is not because we have a special power of some sort. And he goes on to say, this Jesus that you crucified... God raised back to life, and it's in his name, say in his name. It's in his name that this man now walks, praise God. Listen, every time somebody is healed, every time somebody is set free in the name of Jesus, it is a reference point back to Jesus lives. Every single time. When you get healed this morning, it's going to be a reference point back to Jesus lives. Amen. How good is that? You, You know, you might, you find apologists who are trying to prove, and there's some good apologists out there, Jesus was raised back to life. I can prove it through his brother James and I can prove it to you by how the disciples changed. But listen, every single time today, when somebody is healed, Jesus lives. And so here, uh, Peter and John, as they're speaking about Jesus living and saying it's because of Jesus' name that this man lives, all of a sudden the alarms go off in the temple and the priests, they're alerted to the fact somebody's talking about this man Jesus and uh, the Sadducees, of course, they're onto it and they get in there and they, hang on, arrest him because... They're not to talk about this. They're going to lead them astray. And so they they take hold of things and they seize it up. I've seen it happen before where somebody seizes up the work of the Lord in the name of knowledge. And here Peter and John, they're put in prison. Chapter 4, verse 2, they were greatly disturbed. That's not Peter and John, that's the... Uh, the Sadducees and uh, the temple guards and the priests—they're greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Did you catch that? They are taken to prison, and then the very next day, uh, there's a stirring because the, the whole city hears about it. Uh, the leaders um, of the city, the elders. They all group around to hear about what happens and they're intent to find out by what name did you heal this man? We can't uh, disqualify the fact that this man is actually healed. We know that's true. But the thing that we're concerned about is that you're claiming it's Jesus, but it can't be. It must be something else. And they end up putting them on trial. Verse 7, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them by what power or what name did you do this? Right now, what's on trial in chapter 4 is did Jesus raise back to life? And so Peter and John, they begin to respond to this and we find in verse 8, filled with the Holy Spirit, they said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an account Of kindness shown to a man who was lame, and are being asked how he was healed, then know this You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name, say the name, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, by whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Notice he first premises it by saying this act of kindness. Uh, if you want to know the nature behind this, and you're trying to work out it's not of God, I think it might be something else. Now, come back to what was the nature behind it. It was an act of kindness. Further, he goes on to say, I love I love how he personalises this for him, whom you crucified. is that nice of him? And then he says, uh, but also whom God raised from the dead. This is the reason. So, They argue the fact that it's because Jesus lives that this man was healed. You were given a name. We sung about this morning, the name of Jesus. Would you turn with me to John chapter 14, verse 11. Believe me, this is Jesus speaking, by the way. He says, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Just pause here for a moment. Do you know in Jesus, the fullness of the Father resides? If you get Jesus, you get the fullness. If you get Jesus, you not only get the fullness of the Father, but you get the fullness of Jesus. You're not lacking anything. And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In other words, everything of what I do is found to be based out of what the Father does if you've seen the works, some people would like to say, "Well, maybe he's talking about benevolent works. Maybe he's talking about uh, feeding the, the uh, you know the poor and um, looking after those who need help." But actually, he says, "If you see the works," and he's actually referring to the works of the Holy Spirit. The works of the Holy Spirit are the sign gifts. It's the uh, deliverance and freedom that comes from declaring, be set free in Jesus' name. It's, it's the healing that comes when you say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. Yeah. This, this is what he's saying. Uh, if you see the works, at least believe them. Then he goes on to say, yeah. verse 12, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me, say believes, believes. will do the works, say the works, that I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these. Because, say because. because. See, you might have paused there and gone, yes, amen, Steve. But there's a big because here. There's a reason why you can do the works that Jesus did and even greater. Because, what is it? I'm going to the Father. Just think about that for a moment. Jesus knew that when he would be by the side of the heavenly father, everything of the fullness of God would be transmitted to those who believe so that they could walk in everything, everything Jesus has for them. Amen. He goes on to say, And I will do whatever you ask in my name. Anything. Church, what are we waiting for? Anything you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask uh, me for anything in my name and I will do it. Yeah. Praise God. Verse uh, Chapter 16, verse 23 and 24, just over the page. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now... You have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Listen, back to Peter and John. Do you think their joy was made complete when this man walked? You bet. You bet. Absolutely. Do you think your joy is made complete as you walk with somebody and you see them set free from something they've been walking with for such a long time and even wonder, God, can you actually heal this? He so intends for you to walk in this. This is not even a question. Does he want you to heal? Every single disciple. Hands up all disciples. Just have a look around. Just tell the person next to you, he chose you. Amen. He chose you. So good. Back in Acts chapter 4, as Peter and John are expressing to them the name by which this man was healed. Listen, when it comes to the name of a dead man, they have no power. Only somebody who lives. Imagine for a moment that you have a very rich father. And He says, look, I'm going away for a time. Here's my credit card. And uh, you just go and if you see anything that I would do, just go and use that credit card. Max it out. You're like, okay, anything that you want me to do, I'll use that credit card. Do you know it has nothing to do with whether you are worthy to use that credit card. Has nothing to do with your name Has everything to do with His name. Has nothing to do with your account. Has everything to do with His account. He doesn't have to be with you. You simply have His authority. Amen. Jesus has sent you with His credit card. I've got it here this morning. So do you. And I'm ready to max it out. Amen. Let me just close with this. Acts chapter 4, Peter says, Jesus is, verse 11, the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. The stone you builders rejected. Did Did you know there are a lot of people who are looking for stones, foundations in their life. Some people are even saying, Jesus, I'll include you as one of the stones. But He says to you, it's the only stone by which you must build your life on. When it comes to healing the sick, it's not only that you have the name of Jesus, but it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And it answers all the self-doubts I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. I'm not experienced enough. I haven't had anyone to show me how to do this. I remember going through a time where we saw a number of healings happen and then all of a sudden it was like nothing. And in the midst of it, I had this thought go through my head and it was very strong. It must have been their faith, not mine. Do you know all of those self-doubts, all of those things that call you to question, it's designed by the enemy to get your eyes off of Jesus and onto yourself or to compare yourself with someone else. You might even be there going, I hope God touches me this morning and I want to receive from Him, but I just don't know if He'll touch me. He'll probably touch the other person over there, but he won't touch me. And then, can I just encourage you that's not from God. He wants to get your focus back on Jesus. It's the only place that's the foundation stone, the only name that you have, the only authority that you have to stand on. We wanted to so much see this culture shift through our church that. We began to uh, sow it into kids' ministry, into youth ministry, uh, into our life groups. One Sunday, I felt the Lord say, uh, print off a whole heap of silhouettes of people, people's bodies. And um, you're wondering where I'm going with this, Darren. And then send it to the kids' ministry and ask them to, to seek the Lord for a word of knowledge as to where somebody needs to be healed. And so we sent those silhouettes off. They taught on healing and who God is, the promises that we have in Him. And then uh, they began to ask the Lord for where somebody needed healing. They circled uh, the position of where they thought it was on their body. And then they came back into the church. There was about seven kids who felt they had a word from the Lord. And so we stood them all up here in front of everyone. And one by one, we read through each of the different kids' um, silhouettes and uh, they explained, yeah, somebody with a, an issue with their wrist and and so on. And they went right through the whole seven. One kid had like almost every body part circled. And I almost lost it actually when I saw it. I'm thinking, this is crazy. There's, surely there's not a person like this. And then somebody stood. And it was, you Now, as they got all through the seven, they got right to the end. And then I said, okay, uh, church family, you've stood in, uh, you know, those who need healing, you've stood in the place of, every single word of knowledge. And then I asked, uh, all seven, can you tell me which one you belong to? Because there were seven people standing. And there was not one double up, and I almost lost it. Because I'm like, Jesus, you are moving in our kids' lives. Those kids, they went out, and with faith, they began to pray over each of the adults. And three adults got healed that morning. And we're just like, God... God, you're so good. Jesus, this is all about you. The culture is being filtered into our kids' lives. Do you know, every time somebody needs healing now, it's the kids who just go, this is totally normal in our church. One of our kids ended up really badly spraining his ankle. And uh, they thought, we need to drive him to the the hospital. We think he might have broken it or at least torn something. And one of the kids goes, no, we should pray. He's only like seven or eight years old. Puts his hand on this guy's ankle, who's the same age as him, by the way, or a little bit older, and prays for him. very simple prayer. The guy runs around the room. I'm healed. Church, I really believe the culture here, God is wanting to dig it deeper. You already believe in healing. There's already a heart for it here in this house. But it needs to get set deep. The next generation needs to carry it. Your life group leaders, if you're a life group leader here, you need to carry this. There is a need to actually step into this because there are people who have lost hope. They need hope.
1: Thanks for making time to hear this message today. We encourage you to connect with us by heading to c3victory.org.au.